Hey, good evening, everybody. Um, for those who haven't been here on the previous uh, Thursday nights, we've been discussing uh, previously sort of the philosophical, theoretical background to Bitachon and, and its uh, historical kind of uh, change in emphasis. And last week we, we mentioned the Nafkamina, sort of a Nafkamina, but off to the side Nafkamina about Tfila and Tfila for a miracle. Tonight I wanted to bring in a real pragmatic Nafkamina, a Nafkamina that I find myself dealing with very, very frequently in a very real life, actual basis. And that is the issue of Parnassa. And um, it's interesting. I would say it's probably the most commonly discussed issue with guys coming out of Shana Bet, Shana Gimel, and Yeshiva is the following tension. It's a tension between um, what is the ideal, what is the L'Chathila for a Jew? Is the L'Chathila for a Jew to be focused mostly on or wholly on Ruchnius, on learning, and Parnassah is sort of a necessary kind of, uh, for reasons we will be discussing soon, uh, requirement for survival almost, and therefore has tremendous consequences for the type of education a person is going to be aspiring to, the focus of time and energy they're going to be giving, let's say once they're uh, moving to the next stage of life after, let's say, years in yeshiva, they come out. And now they're ready to, let's say, focus on Parnassah. How should they look at it? Should they be looking to minimize the education time, minimize the education, secular education, obviously I'm talking about time, in order to uh, use those prime brain years. I call them prime brain years because they really are. All of us who are close to my age probably understand what I'm talking about. You're never sharper than during those young 20s. At least that was true for me. And... Um, you don't want to like waste it, quote unquote, with things that are not going to be worth the emphasis. And it's a, to a remarkable degree, but not really, you know, a guy who's coming out of yeshiva is Baruch Hashem, very motivated in terms of uh, hasmada and learning and feels that uh, they're hearing from many, many rebellion. And this is true in seminaries. I think I've had this conversation in, in Michlala multiple, multiple times with girls as well about hearing that um, not, not to stress too much secular education and the types of careers that require, you know, graduate work and, and beyond the chule v'chule. And, you know, it's interesting when I, what got me into this topic even before I got into these conversations was uh, the following story. Just, uh, I'll use this by way of Habdamba to the issue, where what really motivated me to search out the machlok is over this, because there's another attitude out there that uh, I, I feel is equally backed by Gedola Yisrael, and, and we'll talk about uh, exactly what the Kudos HaMachlok is, since that's really what I'm going to be after. But it all began for me, to some degree, uh, years ago, when I first started uh, traveling Whenever there was a tiyul in yeshiva in Israel, so I would try to fly in, you know, and take advantage of an opportunity to work as a as a cardiologist. And my basic plan back then, it's kind of been modified now over time, but initially when I was young and and uh, strong, so what I would do is I would come in the day I was going to be seeing patients in the office, come in that morning. My plan was always come right, you know, go right to Shul, Davin, you know, either of a second minion or the earliest minion available, get out, lie down for at least an hour, and then go to work. That was always my uh, design. So on this particular occasion, I came into Shul, and I, and I see out of the corner of my eye, somebody keeps looking at me. And who is it? It's the father of an alumnus of the yeshiva that I was teaching at that time. And I know he wants... He wants something, and, he, and he's, he's not looking like a happy person. Like, there's something really definitively bothering him. And I'm just trying to say, oh, please, no, make, make, tell me I'm wrong. 
Hashem. That most of my tefillahs were geared towards this during that morning. I just want to get to lie down. I have you know this whole uh, full day of, of appointments. No way I could get out in time. He came over Jerusha. He says, I gotta speak to you. So all right, so he got me, nailed me. What was going on? So turned out he he had a son who was in the, uh, in Yeshiva. He was already, you know, he did Shana, Shana Bet. He said, We sent you, he says to me. I had I really was not his son's Rebbe, but he said, We sent you, you know, pointing to me, uh, a normal boy. I go, oh, good, Baruch Hashem, we like normal people. Go, what do you mean? He says, a normal boy, he, he liked to play ball. He dressed normally. And he was pre-med. He was going to be pre-med. Now, he's no longer normal. What does that mean? So he just wants to learn, right? He doesn't play ball. And, and worst of all, white shirts and black pants. Like, that's it. <laughs> so I'm saying, oh, my God, I can't believe this. What? He, so first, he, he had a problem with a particular Rebbe that he blamed for this, right? So he went into that. Then what he was really after from me came out. He said, look, I want you to make him normal. You need to speak to him. So I'm about to give him a speech about my take on Hashkafos. I, I, I feel very strongly that Hashkafos are, as long as they are legitimate Hashkafos, which is defined as a Hashkafos that's developed by one of the Gdoli Yisrael, that makes it a legitimate hashkafa. They're, they're only someone who knows Kala Tarakula, who's a big tzaddik, is capable of formulating a hashkafa for the community. As long as they, they're backed by that, people have natios. His natiyah is certainly a very legitimate hashkafa, his son. I was going to give him a whole speech, but I couldn't get a word in. And then he brings in his wife also into the discussion and the game over, game over. So before I knew it, I had agreed to do something I really didn't want to do. I didn't want to bother this boy. I, I, but they had me set up the appointment. So I meet with him thinking, okay, so here's how this is going to go. I'm going to meet with this, this, this nice young man. And he's going to tell me, look, I respect, I respect your Ashkafa because my Ashkafa is a little different than his. And it's going to be that kind of nice, amicable conversation. You, you have your Ashkafa, I have my Ashkafa. And this is just where I'm comfortable. This is where I want to be. This is the zone I'm in. So absolutely did not go that way at all. Instead, he basically said to me that, first of all, I want you to know your hashkafa is wrong. Your hashkafa is wrong, dead wrong. And it's misleading, and you don't have any bitacha. Right? <laughs> all right? So it is connected to bitacha. Let's see. And before I knew it, I was like reeling. I couldn't get a word in with him. I see, you know. <laughs> but... At the end of the day, I said, well, this is like, what an experience for me. Here I am just innocently coming off the plane. I just want to get to work. And I'm getting knocked from the left and the right, right? No one's happy. And, and with me in particular. And that set me off. I said, you know, he's wrong, totally. Because for sure, it's not so black and white. It's definitely not so black and white. But what I want to understand, what are the two hashkafos? What are their origins? What is the kudos hamachokis? What is really separating these two views because they both are out there and if you look at the first page of this handout it is taken from uh an essay that was the results of that whole experience for me it inspired me to write this this uh piece that ended up in tradition and in it is this quest of mine the hashkafic divergence in contemporary orthodoxy what is the good so i i used as a springboard for the discussion uh, something by Rav Shimon Schwab Zatzal, who also was bothered by this very same issue. Uh, I recommend reading what he put together. It's in uh, his collected essays. It's excellent. He goes through the whole discussion, but um, with a different emphasis than what I'm going to do this evening. But I liked the way he formulated the issue. He says it like this. He said, there are, and he's talking to whom? To two He's talking exclusively to serious Torah students. This isn't, you know, like politics and games and, and, and something that's frivolous. This isn't something to scream about. He wants people to think about these things and have substance to the discussion, not just emotion. So he says, number one, there is the Torah-only principle. Ideologically, this way of life is grounded in the conviction that we are chosen to function as mamlech's kohanim b'goy kadosh. 
Like the Kohanim of old, we should justifiably refrain from taking part in most worldly pursuits in order to be totally engaged in Ruchmas. While this is not possible in practice, right? Worldly activities, necessary evils, are to be relegated to the background to play a secondary role in favor of the true essentials. This is one hashtag. Very, very beautifully expressed by Rav Schwab. It is, I would, I would say, arguably the majority view. The majority of Gedolim will espouse this particular hashtag. Then there's another hashtag. It's called Torah and Derech Eretz. It's an expression near and dear to Rav Schwab, right? As a, as a, a, a very, very renowned person, member of the, the German community. The divine task given to Adam that mandated controlling the earth, right? The earth, according to the will of the creator, applies to all men in general, but first and foremost to us, to Yisrael. To become, it becomes mandatory for the Torah conscious educators, people involved in Chinuch, not to inspire fear of the world and hesitancy to meet its challenge, but rather to fortify the vast majority of our youth to meet head on. The divine purpose for which Yisrael was created can be served in every capacity, every profession, in all human endeavors, as long as they are not excluded by the halacha. Says, says Rav Schwab, a very different hashkafa. These hashkafos are worlds apart. Now, what Rav Schwab does in his essays, and again, I recommend looking at them, is he has a back and forth all the differences that stem from this ideological difference Many practical differences come out. Very interesting, very important. Really what I'm after is trying to come to grips with that because the nafkaminas are real. They really will determine an attitude towards pushing on in life, what you're going to do with your life. So I said, I've got to understand where this tremendous difference between Gedol and Yisrael comes from because there are Gedolim on both sides of this debate. So... I said, where am I going to find, where am I going to discover the difference? I, first thing I said, well, there's some classic major hashkafic differences that go along with this that are the headline ones, you know, like secular education, um, the, the Zionism, the Nehemiah of Israel, women in leadership roles. All of those are like the headline kind of hashkafic debate issues that kind of line up a little with these. I don't have time to go into exactly why right now, but maybe it'll become apparent. But I said, I'm not going to find the Nikudas HaMachogis in those big issues. But let me look at the subtle places where the difference of opinion is expressed. Meaning, I found places where everybody basically agrees on the practical approach to a certain issue. But the attitude towards the conclusion, the attitude towards the Psach Halacha in certain areas reveals a tremendous difference in Ashkafa. So it begins over here in the very famous Gemara in Babakama. Anyone here from Nadasarek should really be familiar with this Gemara. We won't fire anybody right now. But the Gemara says famously that really there's a Havamina, and this everybody agrees to, all Ashkafas agree to, that let's say, for example, when it comes, it should be the second page of the handout. I hope it is. Um, it's a Gemara from Baba Kama that says there's a Havamina that you're not allowed to necessarily interfere with disease, right? Disease is either a punishment or a wake-up call from HaKadosh Baruch to the person. It's Gezerah Samela, right? And who says we're allowed to interfere with it? You, you have to kind of like daven. You can do that type of Ishtadus, but not more than that. That's not it. Says the Gemara now, what does the Gemara clearly say? That's not true. There's a divine permission given to get involved in it. Even though we might have thought, no, you could do it. Everybody agrees to that. Everybody agrees to point number two. Point number two, taken from the Shulchan Aruch on the right side over there, is now once it's mutter, it becomes a mitzvah and a chiyot. You don't just, right? And this is directed, if you look at the Nishma Sabram on the side over there, to the doctor and the patient. Everybody's hyped to go to a doctor. You cannot be tachon that you're going to just get better. You need to do some kind of ishtagos, right? To go to a doctor, you got to try to get taken care of. There's one person in history that didn't do that, that's spoken about the, the Avnei Nezer, the Rebbe Trevor's father. He's famous for he was going to be somech on the tachon, the damre, and, you know, his son lords it to some degree, but 
Everyone else is not happy with that type of decision. The Chuli Alma from the right to the left, the Chita, Chazanish, everybody says, of course you got to go to a doctor. Of course you got to do it. That's where they agree. That's a Dabrapasha. Where they disagree is on the next page. And that is, how do we view this? The fact that the Torah lets me do this. How do we view it? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And here comes out the most striking difference of opinion, which began to whet my appetite. Oh, I'm going to find something if I follow this lead. I'll start with the Chazonish. Chazonish is on the bottom of page three. Chazonish, this is in a letter. He writes many, many very fascinating, insightful things in his letters to people. So the person was asking him our question, now, can I go to a doctor? So bottom line was, yes, you should go to the doctor, but he wants to make sure the person has the right perspective, the right hashkaf. So he says like this, just like, and we're going to talk more about this because this is where we're headed, just like the acquisition of wealth and the acquisition of property and making a living, just like that is something that is really set divinely, and anything we're doing is for some other mysterious reason, some Kiron or Chob, we'll talk more about it soon, but you should you should never think that your Hishtadus, your efforts, are really doing anything. Can Hishtadus Hatzalus Nefesh rock mitzvah? It's an amazing statement. And that's the same thing for going to doctors and for doctors that are saving lives. Don't think that that's like something real. All it is, is a mitzvah. All it is, is a mitzvah. Mitzvah is a trivial thing. It's good to do mitzvahs. What do you mean all it is is a mitzvah? What does he mean? So he elaborates. In the material world, we really can't do anything. We're not really accomplishing what we think we're accomplishing as we go. I I described the cardiothoracic surgeon last week, right? He's going to, to like, Years and years of schooling and residences and training and up nights and nights and working his head off and practicing and, and you know, dedicates his life to it. But really, watch, listen to the words of the Chazanish. It's just quite incredible to me, right? He says, Rak de He's talking about the doctor. Anu ma'orim share racham. Right? We're just, by doing the efforts of the cardiothoracic surgeon, by his doing his efforts, he is doing a sophisticated tefillah. That's basically what he's doing. He's just arousing the Shari Rachami, Shema Seyadenu, Yikavnu Esamabukash. Let us be the Shaliyah, let us be the ones, let our hands work to accomplish what either you're going to designate or not. And this is where he really knocks me out. But a person who doesn't go through that sophisticated form of tefillah of being a surgeon, but instead, Stam Dagens, who Poel Yosef, he's doing more. Wow, that's a powerful Hashkafa. He's saying, look, for whatever mysterious reason, we're going to try to discover it a little more, what this Shita holds, we, we need to do these things. We got to go to the surgeon, we got to go to the, the, the plumber, we got to go to the various uh, material. He those things that we do to correct our problems, but just realize it's all, it's all fictional, right? This is like not surprising the Chazonish from last week, and the Chazonish has been in this theme. He, that's how he explained um, many things. He, he agrees that you can't look at Pitachan as a guarantee of success, that we said, but the Hishtadus, there's only one type of Hishtadus for the Chazonish, and that's Ruchlis, Hishtadus. Mitzvot and tefillah. That's the only way to get anything done in life. That is his ashkaf. Very different is Rav Salavitcha. If you look on top, it is dramatically different presentation. And where's Ben? So Ben here, this is to make you feel good, right? Rav Salavitcha, very famous work of Rav Salavitcha, The Lonely Man of Faith. Everybody is probably very familiar with it. Um, just a little for those who are not, the background to The Lonely Man of Faith is the Rav is describing basically the, the mandate of, uh, for Adam, you know, it's representative Adam 1 and Adam 2, represent two, fa- two elements of every human personality. There's an Adam 1 who's uh, looking to achieve dignity, majesty, which means accomplishing in, to, to raise up human beings above 
the level and behavior of animals to one of great achievement, right? That's, that's really the theme of the entire uh, essay, The Rolling Man of Faith. And then he, he brings it home over here, the Rav, by saying the following, the second paragraph. He says, you know, there's a, in the first paragraph, he said, the unqualified acceptance of the world of majesty, which again is this Adam one achievement of material achievements, right? He sees, you see it everywhere in all the endeavors, the halacha is concerned with all endeavors as a representation of this mandate that we have to accomplish things to the utmost in the material world, in every way possible. But the acceptance easily proven in regard to the total majestic gesture is most pronounced in the halacha's relationship to scientific medicine and the art of healing. You're, gonna, you're about to hear something so dramatically different than the Chazunish. The latter has always been considered by the halacha as a great and noble occupation. Unlike other faith communities, like I guess the Chazunishes, whatever, um, he doesn't mean that. The halacha community has never been troubled by the problem of human interference on the part of physician and patient with Hashem's will. On the contrary, argues the halacha, Hashem wants man to fight evil bravely in a material sense. I'm throwing that in, but that's what's meant. And to mobilize all his, where he says it, all his intellectual and technological ingenuity in order to defeat it, right? There's an asylum that we are faced with that is real. And it's something that we have to do everything we can. And it's part of being an accomplished Jew to do this. The conquest of disease is the sacred duty of the man of majesty. He must not shirk it at all. If you go down to the bottom paragraph, the doctrine of faith in Hashem's charity, the of the type that we talked about two weeks ago, that type of the says the Rav, is not to be equated with the folly of the mystical doctrine of quietism, right? It doesn't mean you just sit here and everything will be fine. Happy tachon and things will happen. It's not at all what the Rav understood bitachon to be which in its extreme form exempts man from the duty of attending to his own needs and lets him wait in holy idleness and indifference for Hashem's intervention. This kind of repose is totally contrary to the repose which the halacha really recommends. The one which follows human effort, remedial action, man must first use his own skill and try to help himself as much as possible. And then, and only then, man may find repose and quietude in Hashem and be confident that the effort and actions will be crowned with success. The Rav is, knows about Kochi uh, Yadu. He knows about that concept, that a person can't be arrogant. You can't be about God. The fact that the Rav is saying we have to do everything we can and accomplish everything we can with our own intellectual abilities and our own technology and our own efforts, that's an absolute. There's no Shiloh about that. But we also have to recognize that the, the, the conquest, the success, is, is coming from Hashem. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. This is something that actually uh, some of the material that we had in previous weeks were criticizing this idea of a partnership. They don't want us, uh, Dester, we'll see in a moment, is very opposed to the idea of a partnership. It's, but this is the ABCs of the Salvation's Hashkaf, is that we're doing everything we can. Don't be about Gaiba and think you could do it on your own. Don't think you're going to be successful without having siyata d'shmaya, we all need siyata d'shmaya, but the way life works is a very different kind of life than the, what's coming in Yotzeh from the Chazanish. It's a life where material efforts and success is extremely meaningful, as opposed to the approach that seems to be coming from the Chazanish, and we'll see it even more expressed by Ravdesta in a minute, where that's not the case. And the really Ravdesta on the next page is the extreme on the Hashkaf of the Chazanish. He's the extreme presenter of this Ashkafa. It's very, very fascinating. This particular piece from Mirta Miriam was, I'm, I'm purposely emphasizing this, right? He died on December 31st, 1953. Mirta Miriam was a posthumous uh, safer. It was written after he was lifted. This is the very last Sikha he did. So what, why am I emphasizing that? He did not change his mind. From what I'm about to tell you, he is going to be explaining this. And his Ashkafa, it was his final work. What does he say? He says, there is the title, Ta'ut The mistake, the error people make in terms of that idea. He says, we do the opposite of what we should do. What is that? We think 
we think that when it comes to material accomplishments, that's me, right? That I have Bechira in me. That I could put the effort in and I'll get something done, or I won't put the effort in and nothing will get done. That's how we look at material accomplishments. And in Ruchnius, we say, look, Hachan made me Zayat, right? I can't get up from India, right? That's just me. I can't, uh, this is like uh, a big mistake, says Rebbe, which it is that, certainly that part is, right? Big, big mistake. He says we should reverse it. We should realize there is no Bechira actually in the material world. It's all an illusion, right? This is where we, we talked about this last week. To Rebbe Dessler, Hashem, he just created a world where he's running everything. Everything that happens is rots on Hashem, the Gamre. We think we're doing it. We think we're, we're doing these accomplishments that, uh, you know, we get to the moon, we discover distant galaxies. We think we're doing it, but it's all not true. It's, it's, it's a big mystery. Why? So, so Rodessa says, well, why did Hashem do that? So here he gets to the bottom line. In the, in the third or fourth paragraph, I'm going to take it outside just to move things along. He says, because Hashem wants us to get a sense of accomplishment, a sense of being able to choose from right and wrong. In order to inculcate that sense, which only counts in the Ruch realm, it only counts in choosing to do mitzvahs and not to abeiros. So, as sort of practice, or to inculcate that type of understanding that we can make choices, there's a facade called life in the real world where we are acting out these kind of things. Where, you know, if we put efforts in, we're going to be able to accomplish the tremendous thing that we're trying to do in the material world. But he emphasizes over and over, We can make things backwards. In Ruchniyash, where he is the Shona, we are in charge of our Ruchniyash decisions in life. Over there, we are the, sh- the Sholit, who Asli Lomar Midazo is just my natural goodness or badness. But in the world of Gashmias, I have a choice. He says that's a very badness thing. And at the end of the day, he is the extremist on the view that there's really no point and there's no um, great accomplishment in things that I do in this Gashmias world, in the material world. What's the consequence of these two views, just to summarize who we're holding? So, according to Rosalvechik, where it's this most incredible, noble, majestic accomplishment to be a successful doctor or something like that, that drives me, and actually did drive me, into medicine. I want to I do that. I want to be somebody who could like, help people in this real-life manner. This is the life I live in. I live in a five-sense reality. This is where I am, and I want to accomplish things in that five-sense reality, and the way I'm going to do it is going to work hard, I'm going to study, and I'm going to do whatever I can. And, and I can be proud of it. And my mother could be proud of me. <laughs> More important. She was. But on the other hand, um, the other side says, don't, don't get so carried away with yourself. You're just dotted. You know, whatever you do as a doctor is a tefillah. It's a tefillah to be opening up Shari Shamayim. You're better off not becoming a doctor. You're better off not disappointing them, right? You're better off in like just exclusively learning, it should be the Lachachachila for everybody. That's where this is going to get very, very important. The Lachachila for a Jew, she's to learn, and that's it. And, and don't talk to me about the Tios or things like that, you know, where, where you're gravitating to, where you feel most accomplished. That's going to be not so significant, because in this Hashkafa, it's all, like in the extreme, the Dester approach, there's nothing there. There's not, you're not really doing anything anyway. You might as well just stick to Ruch. Wow, so that's a tremendous now uh, expression of this machlokas. And now I want to get into deeper into an understanding of what's the origins of this machlokas. So it all comes back. I want to go back to that Kumar and Babakama. I want to focus on the Tosos. And I, here's where I see this machlokas opening up. And I could begin to understand the two shitos. As two legitimate cheetos, these are two legitimate views. I, I obviously favor one of these views, but I would never degrade the other view and not say that it's A, fully legitimate. More than that, the majority view. It's actually the majority view in terms of the Dole Yisrael. So where, where do these views come from? 
Where did they come? So the starting point, the Fianni study, this is uh, uh, just my, my understanding, is back to that Heter, the Rofe, the Raphos, right? It says in the Gemara, the Rafa, the Rafa, the contradict the Rishos, the Rofe, the Raphos. I'm allowed to practice medicine only because of that Gazir Sakasa. The Torah says, I'm allowed to. So Tosis asks the question. Tosis says, okay, I get it. We need the Torah to license us to be able to interfere with disease and get out there and start treating people. But why do I need the double lushroom? Why does that have to be Virapo, Yurapo? Just say Virapo. That would have done the same thing. Just say it once. So Tosis has a beautiful answer. He says like this. Well, if it only said Virapo once, I would have thought like this. When am I allowed to interfere with disease or medical issues? Only in man-made, man-caused disease. Like, uh, I guess, you know, someone stabbed somebody with a sword. Somebody did some type of uh, man-made problem, medical problem. So perhaps that's where it's mutter for me to interfere. But something that comes to me in Hashemayim, lo aleinu, infectious disease, lo aleinu, uh, uh, some type of oncological disease, uh, cancer, something like that, don't, I have no restrictions to go there. Therefore, virapi, virapi. But listen to the way Tosis expresses it. So it's like this. I'm on page five. On the top, it says, Tosis, love the hey. It says, Shemit the Rishus, the Rofa, the Rafos, the Im Tomar, if you ask, the Ha, Mirape, the Chudeh, from the word Rape alone, I would have learned, Shamina, I would have learned that you have license to heal. So, what's with the double Hashem? Yishlomar, the Hava Mina, what's the Hava Mina? Hanimile, Makinabide Ada. That's only true when there's a man injury, a man made injury. But some other that comes from Shemayim, here's the king. You are looking like you're trying to wipe out the Gzera from Shemayim. Hashem said illness, and you think you're going to audaciously interfere with them. Kemash Malan comes the Rapa Yorape, Kemash Malan, to teach me the show. What does the show mean? It's okay. It's mutter. So, um, so wait a second. Here's our first hakir, right? We're into lambdas here. So the Gemara, the Tosas had a question, right? Why do I need Rapa Yorape? Why do I need Nebulashan? Because it's a havamina that it's looking like I'm being so sad. What it looks like you're not allowed, right? Something you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to interfere with God's zeros. But the pasuk teaches me what? Can anyone tell me quickly? So in the interest of time, what are two possibilities? That it comes to teach me it's okay. What's okay? There's really two possibilities here. If you really do the chakira very openly, right? What, what's one possibility? Most obvious is it's okay to. Treat people, do medicine. Maybe that's what it means. That's all it means. Rapi Rapi tells me in the realm of medicine, right? You could do it. What's the other possibility? Much broader, much bigger, very significant. Must. What was that? That means I'm not allowed to be so ser, I'm not allowed to under undermine Hashem Kiviyacha, right? I'm not allowed to. Be so sad, the Xera of the Mela. So Kamash Milan, no, I can't. So one possibility is Justin Rafur. What's the other one? Everything. Everything. I'm allowed to be so sad, Xera Samela. Wow, is that rude? Right? Am I getting into trouble here? Is that is that Picorsis? Is that is that possible? So yes, I think it's 100% possible. And I have both sheet things laid out on this stuff. We'll start with Ramosha Feinstein. Right? What, what do you think his Ashkaf is going to be? Right? Ramosha Feinstein has a fascinating chuva. The chuva is like this. He was asked by somebody who, the son, they can't fast. The reason they can't fast, my medical opinion on what he's describing is some kind of hypoglycemia, some kind of pancreatic condition that causes his blood sugar to be low if he doesn't get sugar, if he doesn't eat or somehow have sugar put into him. So he can't fast 
because he's going to become dangerously low glucose. However, he will be able to fast if he puts in an ID, if he has an ID that hangs glucose, right, whatever solution, he'll be able to fast. So he, Moshe was asked, is he chayv to do that? Is he chayv to do that? Is he chayv to put the ID in that enable him to fast? So it's a fascinating shuva altogether. He paskins, no, right? And it's not because of what you would think. This is where he gets really interesting. Uh, if you have time and, and you're into reading shuva, you should take a look at it. I'm going to say it outside again in the interest of keeping things moving. He says like this, he says, not only does he not have to do this, but there might be an issue involved. It might be usher for him to put that idea in. Usher. Why would it be usher? What, what could be the prohibition here? So he says, because, and quotes our Tosos, and he says, because when Tosos said this, meant only specifically limited to refua. Any kind of therapeutic intervention otherwise is us. So, for example, what's the objective of putting this idea in? Is it a medical objective? No, it's to allow this guy fast. You're not going to fast. Says Rav Moshe, that Zerah is off limits. Back to the Havimina. That's so Zerah for you to think that you can interfere with the Zerah that he shouldn't fast. Wow. That's amazing. This, uh, I, I remember following this chuba. there were a whole bunch of the follow-up chubas from people that were asking, wow, does this mean we can't do vaccinations? We, we can't do, you know, testing for Tay-Sachs? So he explained why no. He thinks those are okay, but those are still medical enough. That's part of your upper your upper. But short of that, other Xerosomelos, it's off-limits. You can't. You have to take it. Comes on Rosh in a very different context. And I think he totally is taking the other side of the Chakim. Says like this, very famous essay he wrote in the Contemporary Halacha Journal, where he was discussing uh, the, the mitzvah of Yeshua Yisrael, the mitzvah of uh, uh, coming back and taking over Eretz Yisrael. And he was talking about some of the opposition to that, right? Who's opposed to uh, the reestablishment of the Medina in Eretz Yisrael? So the moon country and the Satma, right? And what if several arguments? One of the arguments is Golos is Xeris Hamel, and it's Asr to be so Xeris Hamel. So listen to what Rav Shechter writes. It just fell right into my lap. I was really very happy because I always thought that I made up that Hakira, and there's no one on the other side. It's all Rav Moshe, and that's it. Then Rav Shechter writes the following The Minchas Elazi, that's the moon country. And they argue further that since um, the expulsion from our land was intended as a punishment, we are not permitted to avoid God's wrath by ending the exile. And we must wait for a redemption in the diaspora at the time of God's choosing. Says Rav Shachter, the foundations of this argument are very shaky. Why? Since Judaism does not forbid the attempt to avoid or curtail I'll put those words in, punishment from God. What's, how do you know, Rav Shachter, that we're allowed to go and be so severe? How do you know that in all areas? Often sickness is a punishment inflicted on a person for his sins. And yet the Torah explicitly grants a verapo yorapo. From this we adduce permission to grant the physician to heal. What's from Shechter saying? He's saying verapo yorapo is not a limited thing. It's a binyana. Everyone knows what that expression means? It's the model. It sets the tone for Xerus in general. We learn from here not just that you could do reform. We learn from there that you could do uh, a material effort to take on every challenge of life. You can get involved in ending goals because that's exactly but Hashem doesn't want us to just like sit there and suffer. Hashem wants us to be challenged by that. We're going to get more into this. What's, what's the design? What's the spur behind all this? Um, he wants us to take it on. That's very different. We see, we see these two ashkafos. They're really beginning to layer out. But it wasn't enough. Because here we have Dol Yisrael. Good. They have very different takes on life. Clearly. Right? Where's it coming from? Where, where do I look? So, I, again, I was... Uh, I had a lot of see after the Shmaya for this topic. Because I, I was looking at various things at different times over the years. And I ran into this very nice piece by Reb Blythe. So this is later 
on page seven in your handbook. There is a famous medrash. I'll take it outside again. There's a famous medrash that discusses Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel were walking, and they ran into this uh, farmer. This, this guy was holding like farmer's equipment, and he he was ill. And he says to Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel, he's a wise guy, farmer, by the way. Like he's like a set. He's setting them up. There's always wise guys like this. Got to watch out for them, right? He knows that what they're going to say, and he's going to get them. What is he? he says, I'm not feeling well. Can you tell me what I can do about it? So Rabbi Shmuel, you know, both obviously physicians, right? So they they say they say, well, you do this and this and this, and you'll be better. You know, you you take two aspirin and you know, see me in the morning, whatever it is. You, they gave medical advice. So the guy got it. He thinks he got them. He says to them, "Who are you? Hashem gave me the machla. What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Interfering with the zera samela." So they say to him, well, what's that in your hand? And he's holding like a <laughs> shovel or sickle or some kind of farming implement. He says, they say to him, well, you know, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? He says, uh, why, are you, why are you making bread? You're going to make some bread. You're going to make some food. You're going to harvest something. And you're going to eat. So, you know, that's Hashem's land. Who, who gave you permission to use Hashem's land? So he said, well, don't you see this? Without this, nothing's going to happen. So they say to him, yeah, idiot, right? That, I'll use their expression. It's much more polite. <laughs> they say, they say, show, I don't know if it's more polite. Show to Shiba Olam. Biggest idiot. Everything you do, right? All those things. Don't you know what it says? It says that man is like an ace. And just like you need to till the, the soil to get food, and you're not going to get anywhere. So too, right, is the truth about treatments and taking care of sick people. It's not going to happen without some intervention of a human being. So it says we're blind. We're blind. It's into the linking of these two issues. The issue of refuah and the issue of parnasa and sustenance. It says the analogy drawn by the Medrash is an obvious one, right? And they're very, very much connected. Actually, in the interest of time, you can read what he says. He has a nice you know, way of expressing this connection in these two. But it occurred to me, what was important for me, that ah, ultimately, it's all going to be coming back to something. If you could turn back to page five. Sorry. Page... Six. What occurred to me after seeing this connection between, let's say, uh, the farmer who has to do work, work the land, is the same as the physicians who have to take care of sick people. The real ultimate source for the origins of this entire debate and this entire discussion goes back to the beginning, literally. Gracious. What was the mandate? What is the idea? What's really Hashem want from us? Not to be too dramatic, right? But when Hashem created human beings, what was he looking to get from us? What was really that? That's the machlokis. Is he looking for ruchmi's beings only? Or is he looking for somebody involved in Gashmis as well, in a productive manner, in Shem Shemayim, of course? But what is it? Maybe that's where I'm going to find the ultimate source of the machlokis. And I wasn't disappointed. If you go now to this very, very important page, this is coming from Shmuel Levitz. Shmuel Levitz in Sichas Musr touches upon this issue. Shmuel Levitz is certainly going to be predictably in the camp of the Chazanish and Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Dastar. And he starts off, though, with something that everybody agrees to. This, this is very interesting. He says, the ideal was Gan Eden. We were meant to be in Gan Eden. We were meant to be like Adam Harishon was. What was Adam Arishan doing? He was put into Gan Eden. Did he have to work? Well, so Ridar Chayam, right? Abdul Shamra means in Rukhmus. The the ideal, right, that Shmulevitz describes is he it was meant to be the, the ultimate cola. The ultimate cola, right? No work, right? No stipends. You just get to pick all the food you need, whatever you need, and you're involved in Rukhmus. He compares it to fetal life. I love this analogy. Like a fetus. 
We were meant to be like fetuses. What are fetuses doing, right? Fetuses are not working, that's for sure. They're not even chewing. They get all the nutrients right from the placenta. It's like, wow, unbelievable life. What are they doing all day? What are they doing in there? They're learning, right? Before the malach gets to them, the ubar is learning Torah and he's able to know everything. That's the way, says Rav Shemuel Levitz, and I don't think the Rav would disagree with this or anybody would disagree with this. That was the way it was meant to be. That was the idea. What happened? Right? right? So now let's go inside a little. Very important to see this. On top of there's no better time in the life of a man than when he was a fetus in his mother's womb. He gets whatever his mother's eating, right? It's very interesting. A lot of mothers always ask me, is it going to you know, affect uh, the, the fetus if they eat the wrong foods? Very interesting. So according to Shmuel, it's yes, but I, I, I'm not so sure that the medical community would definitely agree with that. There are certain, I mean, I've never been pregnant, I'm sure women would attest to this. There are certain caffeine will have an effect on a fetus, that I know, right? But says Rosh Levitz, it's all going to be coming that way. Shosa mimashe imo shosa, umelamdin oso kolatorikula. Sofa umabit misofa olam at sofa. He's learning Torah, he says, the biggest tamachachim. Everybody's a big tamachachim at that point. We all know kolatorikula, it's great. I call Mucha the fan of the low Torah cloud. You don't have to make any efforts. Life is grand. The af the tircha shomaisa achila. He makes this point too. Even the tircha eating, he doesn't have to do. Ela mimela hu That's the law. What's the reason? The tamadava nirish the emes zehu matzavoshel adam mitzad etzim tiraso. This is the way we were meant to be. All of us. We were meant to live our lives like that, like Adam in Ganei. However, the next few psukim explain what went wrong. Adam, Chava, everybody, the Nachash, everybody's doing Averos, and then comes the punishment. What was the punishment? That's the klolo. That's the punishment. That's when everything changed. You had it good. You had fetal life. It was grand. It was wonderful. You messed up. You had to just keep the ruch loose. You had to keep it right. So it was a big, big avera. The punishment is now a big punishment. Now you're not going to have it. Now you're going to have to work. You're going to have to make a living. You're going to have to plant, harvest. That is the understanding of Man was originally created that everything should be easy for him. And he has no worries about Parnasa, no worries about anything like that. Now, who would espouse this view that that's really the way it is? Not surprisingly, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. And Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, in, I mentioned this in a different context, the life insurance, Shaila, when he was asked about life insurance, should I get up to it? Is it a chisar in my bitachan if I get life insurance? So when Moshe was giving this guy a lecture, who do you think you are? You're a bad guy, but you don't, you don't need to make efforts. Ever since, tough. We got to make efforts. I know it's, it's tough. Life's tough, but you got to work for a living because it's a, it's, a, it's a curse. It's a punishment. And that's the sheep. Unbelievable. It's, um, it's a little scary. Is there another way to look at it? They were of, you know, this, this, it, it all seems to be all tied together. Yes, so, totally. That's the point. It right. does. So how does the people, how does the side look? This Ashraf is going to say, just, that was a Gzair of Golos. And there's nothing we can do about it. No, but meaning, 
No, watch her. I'm going to answer. I, I promise I'm going to answer. I think I'm going to answer what you The Xera of Golos, there is no Xera Sakasu Matir allowing the license to go against them, right? They understand Rabbi Yorafe limited to Pikuach Nefesh, right? You could save a person's life. That's what God's letting us do. Any other Xera, you're stuck in, right? Over here, the Xera was, you know, we're out of Gan Eden. We're not getting the fetal life anymore, right? There's a little dispensation. This is what Rabbi Black writes about a little more in that piece that I jumped out of, but is a punishment, but it's also the license to get by. In other words, it allows us now to work God's land. We really uh, need to ask his permission. What are we doing working his land? We're punished. We're thrown out of Gan Eden. We should just die of starvation. No, you can eat, but it isn't going to be easy. It's going to be tough, and you're going to be needing to get a parnasa, and you're going to need to work now. And all of that is part of this punishment for survival, right? It's a survival punishment. My question is, is that the only way to look at just like that? In this very sad ending to the story, in my view, if this is it. Because what's Yotze from this kind of philosophy? And again, I'm telling you, this is the majority view of Dolan Israel is that, listen, means you got to work, but you should strive for the way it was. You should strive to get back to the life of Gan Eden, which is Kulo Ruchnius. Hashem's Ratzon is that we're here. We're here for Ruchnius. We're here to learn. That's where you should be striving. Listen, because of the hate, it's not going to be so easy anymore. Now you got to do something. You got to somehow get food on the table. So minimize the efforts towards that, which means don't go for like big degrees and become a doctor and a this and a that. Just make a living, whatever you can. That will minimize the time wasted on gashness and that. That's what flows from this. I just want to, let me just finish this up and then we'll, I'll take the question. Let me just, let me just finish it. So I want to, I want to come in with uh, what I feel is very appealing alternative understanding so the first hint to it on page 8 is Gemara and Brachas. Gemara and Brachas said, Right? So this is like a little cute, but it got me thinking, maybe B'zeh is not so terrible. Right? Maybe there's another way to look at it. Because it said there are six things that are a good simon for uh, a chola that he should know he's going to be getting better. What are they? So one of them is Zeh. How do I know that? Because Based on that passage. Oh, wow. That passage is being used for a positive understanding. Maybe there's more to it. So I'm learning Pesachim, and I'm going rushing through the Agadita part, because I want to finish the Pesachta, and I get to talk Kuf Yudchas, and I find this unbelievable Gemara. Listen to this Gemara. I'm on page 8. On top is the Gemara Brachos, in the middle is Arbit Pesachim, from the Enyaq, right? Says like this, Amar Rabbi Shua ben Levi. It's a very different take on what went, what went on between the Mishpachu and Adam Arishon. Bishash Amar Kadoshvachu Adam Arishon, the coats bedadar tatsmiyachlach. You're punished. You're going to have coats bedadar, and you're going to be eating off the ground. So what? What, did, what was Adam's reaction? Zilgu enav demaus. He started to cry. Oh my God, I would cry. Right? I was just living in Ghana, and now I'm going to be eating dirt. I'm going to be eating thorns. I'm going to be eating what? What's it going to be? So, so, Kevan, What did Adam say? Hashem, are you kidding me? I'm going to be like an animal, eating like what an animal eats. We're going to eat from the same trough. Kevan Sha'amar love. Once Hashem said, Bezeas Apecha Tochalacha. Relax. Miyad Miskaradante. What happened to Adam? Relief. When he heard Bezeas Apecha Tochalacha. When he heard those words, it might be some kind of punishment. We'll get to that in a second. But he was relieved. It was a positive statement. How is that? Somebody tell me. Food. Right. So he's going to eat food and he's going to make an effort and be allowed to make an effort. 
Right. Says the Atios Pirish below. I'm going to take it outside again. This is, he sounds like Rav Salvation and only another thing. Basically, he says, it's not just that you're going to be able to eat better food, you know, than, you know, El Al or whatever, than, than the donkey, right? It's not just the, the quality of the food, like a Nevasera, the food, right? Unbelievable food. But it's not that. That's not it. It's how that food's going to come to be. Says the Yitz Yosef, Derech Kavu. Derech Kavu. There's a new, it is a punishment. Because you're in that Aden and you had it easy. And now you're out. You, you need to learn a lesson. Says the You know how it's going to be from now on? You're going to be given opportunities to make amends. You're going to be given opportunities to achieve majesty in the words of salvation. In fact, it fits beautifully, but the Eitz Yosef, I'll read the parts from the Holy of Faith. The brute's existence is an undignified one. Because it's helpless existence. Human existence is dignified because it is a glorious, majestic, powerful existence. Dignity is unobtainable as long as man has not reclaimed himself from coexistence with nature, has not risen above non reflective, degrading, helpless, instinctive life to an intelligent, planned, and majestic life. Says the Rav exactly what the Jesus is saying. Right? You can look at it in one of two ways, and here's the Kutus You can look at it like this. You could say, Hashem is punishing us. There was an Avera that took place. How does a parent punish a child, and what's the best way to punish a child? Right? There's two ways. You, if, the wrong way, the Viennese did, right? I have some kids I can talk about, right? So, the wrong way to punish them, and I was guilty of this enough times, that's why I could say it, is you're, you, know, you're, you let your guy get in the way a little. And you get angry, and you punish to hurt, you know, not physically, but to get, you know, out of, out of the need to get there, right? That's a hard, that's not the ideal punishment, that type. Of, what's a better one? A didactic punishment. Punishment, my, my wife is great, uh, much better than me, right? She always knew, you know, she, she had, uh, she would always take the kid, let's say one of my kids, uh, I'll never forget the story. I told, actually, I told you guys the story. Um, when he rebelled, right? He, uh, he was accused of, uh, I get, I get an irate father calls me up and says, is your kid's name Daniel? I said, yeah, yeah, what do you do? He said, my kid has a peanut allergy. And you know what he did? He took a peanut butter sandwich and he put it in his face. I was like shocked. First of all, you know, Daniel's a nice kid. I couldn't believe he did that, right? But I was going to kill him. You know, I, I immediately reacted to that. Oh, my God, I'm going to take care of it. So I go, and I was about to kill him. Then my wife got him out stop me because, you know, she's much better at proper discipline. She said, no, let's teach him a lesson. Let's have him go over and apologize and da-da-da. As we're on the way out the door, the phone rings. Should we get it? No, yes. I run back and get it. It's the father. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Rolling down the It wasn't here. <laughs> No, what really made the story amazing is he admitted it. That it was he did it, but he didn't really do it. He's, see, I'm just trying to see what the topic of my son is. Like he, but anyway, at the end of the day, you see the two forms of parenting. And this to me is what's sort of going on over here. Is it a punishment? Just listen, you did wrong, you're gonna suffer now. So you're gonna suffer, you're gonna have to work, and you're gonna still strive for the way it was, look for ruchnius, or is it something more? Is it something new? Is it now the mandate to be so Life will now be full of challenges, not just in the realm of food, not just in the realm of medicine, but in every endeavor that a person can get involved in, right? Der Hashem, Ramchal says this, life is one big Nisayon from beginning to end. Each aspect of life has these challenges and material ones and spiritual ones. And we are driven by Ratzon Hashem, to meet them and overcome them. It's an opportunity for us as much as it was in original punishment. Now, what's, what's really the issue? When was it then? Bottom line. In Gan Eden or now? That's not the case, right? According to the Hashkafa that says, you know, all this is baloney, this whole last little bit that I'm saying, it sounds nice, it's fluffy, but it's, you know, not correct. The correct thing is, this is plain and simple, a punishment The way the Rav Moshe writes about it, it's the Kif Sherak Mama. It's one of the mysteries why life is this way. 
but that's the way it is. We should strive and do everything we can to get back to purely Ruchli's lives, right? And that's the way it is. And that's the way it was, and that's what we should be looking to go back. Or is it better actually now? You know, back then, we had it easy, but we could achieve more now. Maybe it's better now. So what's remarkable, if you go back to the Gemara, is the next line in the Gemara, blew me away. Blew me away. I ran this by many, many people because I couldn't believe no one spoke about it. Amarish Lakish. Ashrenu. And you'll see there's two words that follow the word Ashrenu. In and Shalom. There are two different yourselves here. One's right and one's wrong. What does each one say? Says Rish Lakish, we were much better off the way we were much better off the way it was originally in Ganede. Says the other Gersa, we're much better off now that it's not like it was in the beginning. So what is clear is that this machlok is over, this general approach to life is a very ancient one. It goes all the way back to this subject over here. We'll never know. No one picks there. I mean, the Marsha favors one girsa, the one that's in his hashkafa. I favor the other one. Right? I favor the girsa. That's my hashkafa. Good for us. There's nothing you can say. Right? No one is calling it on these two girsas. But it's remarkable. I want you to know that I support when I see a guy serious in either one, and his tia draws him to one of them, and he wants to be successful and is responsible, of course, in these. If you're going to take the business as a punishment and you want to minimize, but you still got to be responsible. But I never want a guy to think who chooses the other path that that's a bedeaved life. That's sometimes what's promoted. Oh, you're going to become like a doctor or something? Bedeaved, you're okay. You're going to be a lawyer? Bedeaved, you're okay. Right? I think that's very foolish. I think you're knocking out 90% of the problems. And I don't think it's the truth. I think it's a very legitimate hashkafa that goes the other way. Should all be zochet to be very successful. Whatever hashkafa that we lean to. Thank you so much. Have a great night. What you just said now is Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Yishmuel. Arabe, many people try to do it. It didn't work.